Hi, and welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation focused on youth mental health. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to let you all know that all content that is found in our podcast is created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition, and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this podcast. Thank you so much, and without further ado, let's get started. Hi, my name is Sonia, and welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving. Our topic for this interview with Sharon Pereira, a therapist, will be cognitive behavioral therapy, commonly addressed as CBT and how it plays a role in treating anxiety. For this interview, my co-host Krupa and I will learn more about CBT in general and how it helps with anxiety. As we learned in the Accepting Anxiety episode, experiencing occasional anxiety is a normal reaction to things going on in your life. However, sometimes it progresses to anxiety disorders, which is when we would need to take more action. Why? As stated by the Mayo Clinic, people with anxiety disorders frequently have intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations, the real anxiety can feel like so much more than just persistent worry. Often anxiety disorders involve repeated episodes of sudden feelings of intense anxiety and fear or terror that reach a peak within minutes, which are basically panic attacks. These feelings of anxiety and panic interfere with daily activities, are difficult to control, are out of proportion to the actual danger, and can last a long time. CBT is a type of therapy designed to treat anxiety disorders, which Dr. Pereira will tell us about in just a minute. Before that, however, Mrs. Pereira, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do? Uh, I'm Sharon Pereira. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and my background is in psychology, and I specialized in treating people using a form of psychotherapy or talk therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy. I've worked in the Bay Area since around 1992 in a variety of settings. I've worked in schools, K through 12. I've worked in uh, community mental health agencies, especially one in the city of Mountain View. And I also have a private practice. So I've been doing what I do for 28 years now. That's really cool. It's awesome that you have so much experience in different settings and, you know, you've seen how it's kind of progressed throughout the years since you've been doing it for so long. So that's amazing. So a lot of our audience may not know what CBT, which we have already referenced quite a lot, is. So obviously we could have provided the standard dictionary definition, but I believe that CBT is a little bit more than just the dictionary definition. And it has a lot of intricate parts and details to it that matter a lot. So, Dr. Pereira, what is CBT and how does it work? CBT is a form of talk therapy or psychotherapy that is offered by mental health professionals. And we use this approach to help people who might be dealing with symptoms like anxiety, depression, work stress, and other common conditions. It's a very structured form of a psychotherapy that is super goal-oriented. So unlike how the media portrays therapy, CBT actually is a very hands-on form of therapy where client and therapist are working as a team to help uncover what kinds of treatment the patient or client would like. 
my job is to listen to people thoroughly and to help them figure out what specific kinds of help they might want. Some examples might be people wanting to overcome anxiety or people who are having issues with sleep might want to work on overcoming insomnia. Some others might want to overcome, you know, unwanted eating habits. So in this form of psychotherapy, we look at the connection between the way the person is perceiving their situation, how they're viewing their challenging life situations. And if I see that people are dealing with inaccurate ways of thinking, or if people are involved in what we call cognitive distortions or errors in their thinking, my job as a CBT therapist is to help people get real familiar with the ways in which our brains trick us into believing things that are a certain way when in fact they aren't. So um, I help people kind of untwist their thinking, if you may say so. And um, as people untwist their thinking and they perceive their life situations in more realistic ways, in more accurate ways, they'll find that they're negative emotions also start to disappear and they feel better. Once they're feeling better, their engagement in life is more productive and they tend to act in more effective ways. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I like how you kind of talked about the untwisting the mind thing because that really helped me understand kind of what it was. So if you're treating a patient with an anxiety disorder, how would you apply CBT and how does that kind of vary from patient to patient? Okay, so generally in the initial stages of therapy, I'm just getting to know the person who's experiencing anxiety and get a better sense of how the anxiety is affecting them. My job is to do a good amount of listening and assessing their symptoms in terms of intensity. I try to figure out what might be triggering the anxiety. My job is just to understand what it's like to be in their shoes. And once I have a clearer picture of what the person's dealing with, then the next step is to, you know, educate my clients about the ways in which I might be able to help them. I often say to my clients, it's like driving, you know, when you're learning to drive, you're in the driver's seat and you have an instructor or guide in the passenger seat who's helping you navigate. And my job is to clarify for the client what tools and techniques I think will be helpful for them in order to overcome the anxiety. An example is, you know, if somebody's dealing with, let's say, performance anxiety at school, they get nervous before tests, I might say, pick a moment in time when you were struggling with performance anxiety, could be like the night before the exam, or maybe at the exam. And then I help them go back in time and figure out what were they thinking that was causing that much anxiety and distress, because feelings don't just come out of thin air. Feelings come from our thoughts. So there's a good chance if somebody's feeling panicky, anxious, or their mind has gone blank, that they were having some pretty intense negative or distorted thoughts prior to feeling that way. 
And if we can capture what they were thinking in that upsetting moment, then I can show people how to untwist their thinking by introducing them to some of the most common ways in which our minds distort reality. And if your listeners are interested, I recommend a book called Feeling Great. It's written by a psychiatrist named Dr. David Burns. And uh, he does a nice job in chapter two of the book describing the common ways in which our brains distort reality. He names 10 different distortions. I teach people how to call the bluff of their own mind, you know, by getting real familiar with these 10 common ways in which our minds distort reality. Once you know what trick your mind is playing on you, then immediately you know that you don't have to buy into those thoughts. And I then help my clients using a variety of tools to learn how to talk back to the negative thoughts. And once they're successfully able to talk back to the negative thoughts, then automatically their anxiety dissipates. Some clients with anxiety might benefit from not just talking back to the negative thoughts. They might also benefit from being brave and courageous to face the fearful situation. For example, if your mind is telling you, oh, you won't be able to to complete the test, if they can gradually or even, you know, just like bite the bullet and go to the test anyways, that already proves to the mind that that was a distortion. And the longer you stay in the test, the more the anxiety will dissipate. And we call that, that particular technique exposure, where the more you face the fearful stimulus, the more and more you reprogram your brain to perceive the situation as not as dangerous as it initially made you believe it would be. It's actually really interesting. I'm glad that you can almost sort of fight back against the anxiety. Um, I'm also really glad that you're able to help so many people with something that can really negatively impact your patients' lives. CBT, at least to me, seems like a really useful mechanism to help anxiety, and your work really interests me because I've seen a lot of students and friends in high school who have always struggled with anxiety and how to cope with it. Now that we've learned about CBT as a whole and how it's used for anxiety, I was researching about it, and since it's so interesting, I remember reading about how CBT is useful for so many more mental health conditions, not just anxiety. So even though our main focus for this interview will be anxiety, I wanted to ask you, what else can CBT be used for? CBT can be used for a lot of common uh, issues that people experience through the course of life. For young people like yourselves, you know, who might be feeling academic stress or even stress related to friendships and relationships, CBT can be super effective in terms of helping you get your thoughts, you know, more aligned with reality, more realistic. And therefore, things that seem really hard or anxiety provoking or stressful when you're thinking about them correctly and you're perceiving life in a more accurate way, automatically you go through life with more positive emotions and the situations seem less threatening, less fearful. Many teens also deal with insomnia, difficulty sleeping, 
And that's a condition that CBT can address quite effectively. Some people might also be dealing with low self-esteem issues and depression, or even kids and teens who might sometimes feel suicidal. I know you guys deal with a lot of stress. Um, I always say it's not the situation that makes us stressed out, depressed, anxious, or suicidal. It's our thinking about the situation that makes us feel that way. So when you change the way you think, you also change the way you feel. And there are lots of good self-help books for teens that I highly recommend. In fact, as I said before, Feeling Great by David Burns, B-U-R-N-S, is a good one. There's also a book specifically written for people who are dealing with anxiety, and that is called When Panic Attacks also written by David Burns. There's a third book that's written especially for teenagers dealing with depression. It's called The Antidepressant Book. And the author is Dr. Jacob Towery. The last name is spelled T-O-W-R-E-Y. And these are some ways in which your listeners can educate themselves by reading these self-help books And then you can also look out for good CBT therapists in the community who can help you get from, you know, where you're at to how you'd like to feel and be. So remember, it's not situations that cause us to suffer. It's our thinking about the situation that causes us to suffer. And when we change the way we think about a situation, we can convert a suffering into more joyful, productive emotion. Thank you so much for your book recommendations. I'm hoping that our listeners, if they are struggling with these issues, will take the time out to at least take a look and um, see if that's helpful for them. So how many sessions would a teen need to notice a difference, whether it's anxiety or low self-esteem? What's the time frame that it usually takes? That's a good question. It's hard to give a one-size-fits-all answers. A lot depends on the individual, like how long have they been suffering with anxiety symptoms or low self-esteem, as well as motivation of the person. The client is super important. Like It's just like school, you know, where the more you put in, the more you'll get out of your school experience. That's how it is with therapy. The more interested the client is, in learning how to keep themselves well, the faster they'll make progress. People who are willing to do homework, homework assignments, self-help assignments between sessions make the best recovery and the fastest recovery because they're not just relying on the therapist to help them um, develop new skills to overcome anxiety or self-esteem issues. They're also taking it to the next level and applying the tools and techniques between session. And that makes all the difference. I often say to my clients, it's like, if you're super interested in tennis, you don't just go to your tennis coach once a week or twice a week and expect to be a good tennis player. You practice, you know, you practice your strokes, your volleys between uh, your tennis coaching sessions, and you'll find that your game gets better faster. So 
I invite and encourage all your listeners who might be interested in seeking out therapy to do a little reading prior to therapy, because that even lets you be more like a co-therapist with the person you're working with rather than being therapist and client. And if you're gung-ho and willing to try out and take risks to try, you know, new techniques, practice them and apply them to your life, uh, I know of people who in 10 weeks have gotten better. I know of people who, you know, after 10 weeks of working with me or sometimes even less, uh, will, will email me a year later saying, thank you so much. I know how to keep myself well and I've been healthy long after terminating therapy. So CBT gives you tools and skills that you can use for your lifetime. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I think it's amazing how, you know, there can be different time frames for people depending on how they kind of handle the therapy. And I think that's really cool because it's definitely not a one size fits all thing. And you really can customize it to really help whatever situation someone is in that is being affected by their thinking. So since we've kind of talked about CBT a lot and just talked about how we can use it and how it helps, I kind of wanted to ask you if you could maybe teach us, as well as our listeners, some of the skills and tricks that are learned in CBT. Okay. So starters, I would say if you have a chance to learn about the 10 cognitive distortions, unfortunately, I can't teach the all 10 to you in this brief program, but I will introduce you to one or two of the common ways in which our minds trick us into believing things that aren't true and end up causing suffering for us. For example, using that earlier example of a student who's experiencing a lot of performance anxiety before the exam. They might be thinking, oh my God, I'm not prepared and think about certain aspects of the test that they don't feel confident about. And they might be forgetting that there are so many other subjects or aspects of the test that they really know well. And that is an example of what I call mental filter. Mental filter is one of the ways our minds trick us, where it only focuses on all the negatives and forgets the positives, okay? Another trick uh, that our mind plays on us is called fortune telling, where the mind can be so convincing and arbitrarily make you believe that you're gonna fail the exam when there's no real proof that you're going to fail the exam. Skilled CBT therapists can teach you how to talk back to these distortions of fortune telling or mental filter. Another way that you might be able to challenge your negative thoughts is to write them down on a sheet of paper or on your computer and imagine your best friend, okay? Imagine your best friend whose life was very, very similar to yours, was talking to you and saying, hey, Sanya, I would like to talk to you because I've been having all this performance anxiety and I know that you've been my good friend for so long. You are often the voice of wisdom and reason when I'm freaking out. Okay. 
And then you pretend that those negative thoughts that you listed were your best friend's negative thoughts. And how would you advise your friend? Would you say, yeah, yeah, you're actually weak in X, Y, and Z part of the test? Or would you say, remember we were studying and you were really good at algebra and certain concepts and you were the one who was helping me at that point or remember how in a previous test you also thought that you were going not going to do well and you ended up being surprised with the test results because they were way better than you so the way you would talk to your best friend bringing facts and bringing compassion and in wisdom to help them in one of their freak out moments, you talk to yourself using the same principles. And that could, that could often help shift the way you're feeling about taking that test. Does that make sense? Yeah, those are actually really helpful. Um, thank you so much for being a part of today's interview and today's podcast episode. You're so welcome. I think you girls are doing awesome work educating your listeners about some of the common emotional conditions that we all struggle with and ways that people can get them treated so they can move on to live more happy and productive lives. So thank you both for the work you're doing. Yeah, and um, thank you again. This was one of the most helpful interviews I've done for sure. And so listeners, here's a quick wrap on today's interview. So CBT is a form of psychotherapy and it helps anxiety by changing the way we think, which in turn changes the way that we feel. And it helps other conditions such as insomnia as well as depression. So thank you once again, Mrs. Pereira, and thank you listeners. We are Sonia and Krupa and you're listening to Mindful, Beautiful and Thriving. Thank you so much and see you next week. You are listening to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation. As part of our youth series, we will be releasing new episodes every weekend, so make sure to continue to check those out. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and thank you so much for listening.